goes. Good morning, everybody. Um, it is so good to see you all. Man, I shouldn't be so thrilled that there are no people on Zoom, but I am. Um, because that just means we're the family gathered. It means that we're brothers and sisters in Christ here together to enjoy him. Um, I was thinking in the car on the way here, why am I going to church this morning? Um, why are you here this morning? Maybe take a second to mull that over. Why did you, why did you decide to come here? I think there can be lots of different reasons. Um, but ultimately, uh, my hope and prayer for all of us is that it's because we love God and we see meeting here as an expression of that. We love one another as family united by Christ and by the gospel. And we see this as an expression of that. And we want to learn and grow in faith and become better disciples today of Christ than we were yesterday. And this is a brilliant place to do that. Um, so yeah, we're gonna be talking about being worshipful this morning. It's a bit of a devotional session, as Paul said. Um, and so there's a few different questions that together we're gonna work through during the course of the morning. Um, and the first one of those is why? Why be worshipful at all? Um, we don't have to be. And so I thought there were three fantastic reasons why. And we're going to skim through those quite quickly because I feel like as believers the, the how can be the more interesting question and, and the challenges that get in the way of that can also, uh, yeah, present a good discussion topic for us. So why? Why be worshipful? Um, well, I think it's because God is an incredible, creative maker of the universe and of you and I. I think it's because God is a loving and gracious and forgiving saviour. And I think it's because it does us good. He is our provider and our hope. And so when we worship, we're reminded of those things. Um, there's a summary of that on the third slide, which is uh, because I love PowerPoint. I use it all week, so I can't help but use it on Sunday as well. Um, the fourth slide. My mistake, Paul. Sorry. One more. But those are the questions we're going to be looking at during the course of today. So, yeah, why worship is the quick and easy one. Uh, there's a few more to follow on from that. And then to close, we're going to have a bit of time of application. So um, I want all of us, and I guess have this in your mind all the way through the morning. I want all of us to be able to leave thinking, what am I going to do because of what I've heard and said and shared this morning how do i want my relationship with god to be going forward maybe it is perfect maybe there is nothing that you would like to change in your walk with god um, but i think we are all human we all have a propensity to wander our own way and um, so this morning hopefully is going to be a really good chance to reflect on how we want to live out our faith and maybe yeah you'll find something that that you want to change in the coming week or month so why be worshipful well there's three great reasons there and I just wanted to delve into each one really quickly because if you're not a believer here you might think well I don't have to do this none of this applies to me I've been dragged here by somebody else or, or I'm really curious and I've dragged myself here because I thought church would be a great place to learn about God. And so we're going to do that really quickly. We're going to learn about who this God is. On the first slide, you'll see a picture 
of uh, well, it's taken by the Hubble telescope, and uh, yeah, I think it's beautiful. Wow. It's called the Butterfly Nebula. Uh, it's about 200,000 light years, which is a really long measure of distance, I'm told, away. Um, and uh, if you look at it for long enough through a powerful enough camera, that's what you see. That is what the God of the universe who made you and I flung into space purely for his own joy and glory out of his creativity. It's an example of his strength and his might. And so one of the many reasons I would argue that we should be worshipful is because we worship a phenomenal, powerful creator and sustainer who flung every star into space. The word tells us that he is worthy of our worship. He flung every star in the sky. He named them all. The second reason is because as well as being cosmic, huge and marvelous, he loves each and every individual in the room so much that knowing our weaknesses, knowing our sin, knowing us just as we are, he would send his son to the cross to die for us. I found a, a simple photo of a rugged cross, but God is a God of uh, grace and love and forgiveness. And so we worship him because we know who we are in Christ. We worship him and we live a worshipful life because every day or every week or month, uh, maybe if you're, uh, yeah, if you find it easier to walk with him than I do, I am reminded certainly of my weaknesses. I'm reminded of my sin. I'm reminded of my need to make repentance, not a one-off event where I put my hand up in a service and say, yes, you're my God, you're my maker, you're my savior, and I want to follow you. Actually, I have to do that day in, day out, and, and making that choice is an ongoing thing. And so, yeah, as I dwell on my need for him, and then the wonderful love and forgiveness that he brings to me whenever I pray and, and chat that through, uh, yeah, I'm reminded of how worthy he is of worship because of the cross. And then the third point that, that we uh, looked at already, um, if you can skip on again, is that he is a hope. He's a provider. Every sparrow in the field has its needs met. Every raven in the desert, to use another Old Testament example, has its needs met. We see in Christ a loving provider. And we see in the plan of the Father through all eternity a hope that lasts forever. So there is hope in the here and now because he's a, a God of healing and a God of provision. But there's a hope for all time, regardless of our circumstances today, because he has promised us an eternity that we can look forward to. So those are my three reasons. We'll, we'll uh, pause there. I hope if you do not yet know God then that is enough of a teaser to say, yeah, maybe this is something that I should take more seriously. If so, grab anyone around you that you know and you trust, and I'm sure they'll want to talk with you more about that. But uh, it's a personal decision at the end of the day to, to become a disciple and to follow Jesus. And he loves you and he's waiting for you. Yeah.
So we're going to move on now to that more discussion-based time. Um, you can form groups of, let's say, four to six. Uh, there's not going to be a breakout group. Sorry, guys. Um, so it's just going to be breakout groups in the room. Um, and what I want to give us 10 minutes to chat about, so it's 10 to now, um, is what is being worshipful. I've put up a load of activities and words and ideas. Anna and I brainstormed these. Um, and yeah, off the back of hopefully agreeing why it is right that we live a worshipful life, um, I wanted us to each have those conversations. What does it look like for you? What should it look like? What shouldn't it look like? Um, that's that. Great. So what is being worshipful? It's acknowledging God when we're in the tough times. It's, it looks like prayer and having faith to believe him to do things in our lives. It's, it's parenting. There's all sorts of different activities that, that can tick the box. And yet what we've heard from lots of different groups, I think, is it's about you and your heart as you do any of those things. And so parenting can be for God's glory and out of adoration for him. And it can be an example of your worshipful heart or not. And that's, that's down to the individual. I almost feel like there are perhaps three different categories of activities when we look at all of the things up here and, and all of the different discussions. There's probably a lot of things that we can do which are really easy for us to engage with God in, enjoy him in, that build our relationship with him, that facilitate a stronger sense of love and admiration and adoration. There's perhaps a few activities that really are the opposite end of that. I don't know if any of you had a long chat about uh, gaming. <laughs> but I wanted to put that word up there because I was trying to think of an argument that would say, yes, gaming is so worshipful. And I, I really struggled because as someone that enjoys it, I do find it is a huge uh, distraction from things. And that doesn't mean sometimes it can't be helpful and restful, um, but it, it rarely points me to God. It rarely reminds me of the good things of God. Um, so maybe there's one or two activities that are, that are right on that end of the spectrum. Some illegal activities may also fall right down there. <laughs> And then there's a whole load of stuff in the middle, right? There's a whole load of stuff where it could be, it could not be, and it's about our heart and our approach and our attitude. And so, yeah, just thank you to those of you who uh, kind of explained that further. Um, so we'll perhaps move on to another question about being worshipful now, and I'll hand over to Anna. And yeah. um, Can you just pop the next slide up, please? I just wanted to read a few... <coughs> verses um, you're absolutely right all of you in saying that it is actually about um, worship as a lifestyle rather than a one-off event I'm slightly offended that you didn't think worship was all about me and James singing songs that's a little bit disappointing um, but yes you got the right answer it is not about a time of music but about a lifestyle of worship Romans 12 verse 1 to 2 says Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. <clears throat> this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So something that is a sacrifice is worship. Parenting makes a lot, a lot of sense in that context. Um, renew, being committed to renewing your mind, being committed to submitting yourself to God's word, that is worship. And I've just put up um, Acts 2 verse 42 on there. We know it really well, but it just describes so well for me um, the many aspects of a worshipful life. Um, that they're committed to learning through teaching um, and they're committed to fellowship with one another. Um, that wasn't particularly one of the examples that we brought out from that slide, but serving one another and being in relationship with one another as an act of worship to our God. The breaking of bread and prayer, being in awe of God's many wonders and signs, selling what they have and sharing to those in need. That sounds like a worshipful life to me. Um, eating together with glad and sincere hearts. I'm not sure every single one of my meal times it can be described like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for it. Um, I'm praising God together. So I've just put that up as a, as a reminder that actually right from the beginning when um, Jesus had come and changed the lives of the disciples and they were exploring what it means to be church together, that in their togetherness, in their unity, in their sharing with one another, um, in their eating and drinking and everything that they did, that it was a life of sacrifice and of worship. So we're just going to skip to the next slide because it is time for a bit of discussion again. Um, I think we've agreed together as a family that actually a lifestyle of worship is both important and really, really good for us. So it's, we want to worship because of who God is. Um, worship is everything that we have. It's our whole lifestyle. But why is it so challenging? Okay, so we're just going to go into groups for a few more minutes to discuss why is a lifestyle of worship so challenging? And I'll give seven minutes for this, if that's okay. Go for it. Yeah, we have many, many distractions. What's that phrase from the screw tape letters, James, that you said the other day? Something about how basically the enemy doesn't even need to kind of persecute us so bad in the West. He can just distract us. Um, <laughs> and that will throw us off course completely. I find it very interesting that um, Rob and June were saying that actually they discussed finding a lifestyle of worship and an attitude of worship challenging when times are tough. And yet, if you know anything about June Gregson, <laughs> you know that she has um, developed a, a habit in her spirit that when times are tough, she will press through and she will worship. Um, and she was sharing with me earlier about actually that is, it, it brings you into your breakthrough when you get your eyes on God. Um, so if we're just going to skip to the next slide, please, um, Chris, thank you. Just keeping you on your toes. I want to kind of um, preface what I'm going to share for a few minutes with by saying that I have um, found it really personally challenging uh, and convicting looking at this to the point where I woke up on Monday morning and about five minutes in, I was probably still half asleep, I don't think I'm qualified to talk about worship. <laughs> I was like, James, I'm the worst person to talk about a lifestyle of worship. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, 
because they're just such real challenges um, with our not yet perfected souls. Um, so I've pulled out a few here, and I'm wondering if some people can help me read some of the verses. So if you can just pick one and um, find it for me. You can use your phones, that is allowed. Um, the last one is a little longer. So who can find, who's going to find Romans, the Romans chapter for me? Just pop your hand up so we don't all find the first same verse. Becca's going to read Romans. Um, Matthew, anybody going to get that one ready for me? You don't have to have it just yet. Thank you. Have you got a, have you got a Bible? Okay. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Very good. Um, John 15. Anybody want to volunteer? Thank you very much over there. And then, are you all right to read the, read the front one then? Are you all right to read the last one, the lack of repentance? Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Um, okay. So I've just picked out a few. Um, Becca, can you please read Romans 5, verse 3 to 5? If we still have no one on Zoom, do you want to just read it from where you're at? As in, can you just, can everybody hear Becca if she reads? Oh, okay. Come on up. We can't let the Facebook community down. I'll hold it for you. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank you. Um, I love having Becca next to me reading that because I know of the times where she has not been put off during her trials. And I know of the moments where she has pushed through and she has persevered and she has found hope in it all. Um, so why is a lifestyle of worship so challenging? but so important in trials and disappointments is because we never see it in the moment, but in the, in the long run and in the big perspective and on the other side of the trial, we know that holding on to God and persevering um, and keeping our eyes on him is what enables us to come through that time. Okay, who can read uh, Matthew 6 for me? Who was it? I've forgotten who said. Brilliant. Merv, I'll come to you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, sorry, that was up to verse 21, yes. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember, the bank of heaven will never run dry. <laughs> I like that bank. Yeah, so challenging. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that is, that is our time, actually, isn't it? You know, what is the thing that we are so poor on um, in, in the West is our time. You know, we have everything but enough time. Um, I'm just really challenged on this because we say, you know, it's a lifestyle of worship, so... As we're parenting, we're worshipping. As we're washing, washing the dishes, we're worshipping. As we're working, we're worshipping. As we're going for a run, we're worshipping. And yet, what we treasure, there our heart will also be. And there is, there, is, there is a call to step away from the distractions, to give a particular time over for saying, if you are the one who is king of my heart, God, and you are the one who's, I'm setting my sights on you, then I'm going to sacrifice the thing that is most precious to me, which is my time. 
And that looks different to everybody, <clears throat> but I'm just really interested in people feeling back about distractions and the things that can take up our time, because actually what we give our time to reflects what is most important in our lives. If we could kind of plot our days out and our weeks out, and I have a feeling that Rue might have um, encouraged us to do this at some point, maybe somebody else equally challenging, um, plot it out kind of how much of our week and how much of our time do we give over to worshipping God. It doesn't have to be that we um, lock ourselves in our room uh, with a bit of darling check worship, but we can if that's the way that it works, but it's actually in our hearts and in our minds, how much are we meditating on the goodness of God? How much are we um, giving back to him our gratitude and our thanks that we've talked about this morning? So yeah, I think that distraction can be a huge one. Um, and we're encouraged to say um, that don't store up for ourselves things that will um, work well for us in our current lifetime. So work, for me, that can be a real massive distraction and end up actually becoming an idol where I want to impress, I want to succeed. And there's loads of good motivations mixed up in there, but it can stop me actually from having a worshipful heart and lifestyle towards Jesus where I say, you come first amongst all these other distractions. Okay, pride. Um, John 15 verse 5, I think that I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. going to say it one more time in case we didn't quite get it apart from me you can do nothing I think that is a huge challenge for us in our self-sufficient lifestyles that actually apart from him apart from remaining in him we can do nothing of real value or worth and we could look at people who who don't know God and say, but look at their contributions and look at the way that they live their lives. And that is absolutely um, so noble and worth um, appreciating. But there's this eternal perspective where we forget that we are only able to stand on his goodness because of what he has done. We are only able to know our identity in God because of everything that he has sacrificed for us. And pride for me is a huge one. Because pride can keep me telling myself that I'm doing a great job. And if I'm doing a great job at everything in my life, then I forget that, I, that there's a need for work, to worship God. And so that brings me on to my, um, on to my next point really there. Um, and I, sh I should say that when I first started dating James, two words that kept coming up in our conversations about God um, were pride and repentance. And I was... I'll be really honest with you, I was a little bit judgy. I was like, oh man, he's, I kind of feel like he's making me just feel bad about myself, like repenting and pride. I'm like, I don't have that much pride, lol. Um, that's the definition of pride. Um, and I was kind of challenged by it. 
because I've grown up um, in a fantastic Christian environment that sometimes put a lot of emphasis on, but God's done, God's done everything. He's forgiven you once and for all, so you never need to ask for any more forgiveness. You just stand in that. And what I've realized is actually that stops me growing. It stops me saying, God, point out anything in me that needs work. Point out anything in me um, that needs adjusting, repenting, turning around and going the other way. So we're just going to read Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. Do you want me to come to you? Thank you. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learnt that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet... weeping she began to wet, wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of them both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose. for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Yeah, thank you so much. Wow. The one who has been forgiven much, loves much. And we could, we could interpret that as, oh, she had a lot to forgive, and I don't have as much to forgive. But we, we know that's not the case. We know actually that all have fallen short of the glory of God, and all of us are in need of his forgiveness. And I, 
I want to suggest that actually sometimes in our Christian life we grow complacent in our worship. And that's not a Sunday worship, that's our daily worship. Because we forget just how much we have been forgiven. And just how much we have been loved and brought up and restored. And so I put this on here partly for me. Because actually, I think sometimes a lack of repentance in my own life of thinking, I'm just twiddling along, doing quite well, and forgetting just how far I fall short actually stops me from being full of love and full of adoration. And, you know, you you may say, well, she wouldn't do that every day. This was like a one-off event for her to pour out her love. I mean, I have a feeling when we are face-to-face with God, It will not be a one-off event. It will be worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. He is so worthy. And he has redeemed me so much and loved me so much and forgiven me so much. And the reason that I think this is not only just because that story shows us the the parallel between her knowing how much she's been forgiven and her loving and worshipping, But the reason I think that this final point is so significant in a lifestyle of worship is because when we're not opening up to the things that we still need to turn around on, and it might be little tiny things, it might be a little tiny attitude, it might be um, something that feels insignificant or a, a moaning or a complaining or just something that is, and there are many things every day that we do that are not as as wonderful as we would like them to be. But by not allowing God's forgiveness, by not acknowledging that those things need some work and asking God to point them out and welcoming his forgiveness, we actually rob ourselves of that opportunity to come and extravagantly pour out our love for him. And so I would, I would challenge us that um, bitterness in our lives Resentment towards a situation that we had no control over. Resentment towards a person in our lives that genuinely really hurt us. I believe that that can actually be a lack of repentance. The the guilt may well be somewhere else. It may well be somebody else's fault that that happened. But for us, if we can come to say, God, I need your help with this. I need to lay this down. I need to forgive this person. I need to lay down this resentment. I need work on this, this thing that still needs healing. I'm going to come and say, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for your forgiveness. I'm coming for your restoration. I'm opening myself up. That in that place, um, God's healing floods in and we have this place of extravagant worship And our attitude towards other people, our attitude towards our life, that thankfulness, that gratitude, that sense of, God, look at what you've done. Look at what you've done for me. Allows me to put aside what somebody else has done and just be amazed at what he has done and live live in true true worshipfulness. Um, Could you just flick to the next slide, please, Chris? Thank you. So how can we de- develop a more worshipful lifestyle? I'm going to try and sum up a few of the things we've said so far today. So we remember who God is. We choose to be thankful in all things. Rejoice when things get tough. Encourage one another. Keep our eyes on things above. Prioritize time with God in the secret. Praise and honor God with our conversation. Choose God above other things of value. Ask God to point out the things we need to work on. Share what we have with others. 
say sorry often, not just to God, <laughs> but to one another. Me being humble and apologizing to my husband has been one of the biggest things that God has brought out of this, me looking at this over the last two weeks. Remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel. Keep short accounts. How is this to do with worship? I'm going to just let that hang. Watch our attitudes. Deal with our bitterness. Forgive others regularly and receive God's forgiveness regularly. So I hope we're, going, we're just going to have a, a chat for another five minutes now. Um, but I hope that, that all that has come this morning has reminded us together of how important it is to lead a lifestyle of worship and how much we want to lead a lifestyle of worship. But I also hope that some things have been brought out as little challenges or little encouragements to actually ways that we need to come back to God with something and say, I want my everything to be a lifestyle of worship. I want my living, my breathing, my thinking, my conversation, my friendships. I want this to be a sacrifice of praise. And I want to be in that place where every day I wake up knowing that I'm so forgiven. So help us, God. Help us, God, to, to lay aside those other things that mean that we can forgive and receive our forgiveness and we can love much. So let's just have, I'm going to say, four minutes um, in groups. If you can flick to the next slide, the question really just is, how can we, what can we change to cultivate a more worshipful lifestyle? And it might be different things for each one of us. It might just be to continue to do the things that we're already attempting to put into place. But it might be one particular thing niggling. Um, and as we're in our breakout groups, um, Becca and James are going to come up and start playing. And we're going to go into some musical worship after that. But I just want to encourage you, if there's a time, if actually you need to take some time um, to pray, to chat with somebody, to discuss something, to write some things down, you're welcome to continue to do, to do that.